Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Oral Presentations, Episode 10, D.B. Cooper. I think I'm just going to have the title as D.B. Cooper uh, because I'll, I'll explain what happened here. Uh, the title was going to be D.B. Cooper, uh, Master Thief slash Heist Structure. And, uh, and I think it might just be D.B. Cooper, this fucking guy now. Um, because here's what happened. So... So this, the podcast thing's all new, you know what I mean? And so I don't really know how much research, I don't know how to control myself with how much research to do for an episode. So I don't really even know what I'm even trying to create because some of them, are, like, they're all different, kind of. So, like, I did the marsupials one, The like, that was science information, the last episode. That was, like, a hard one for me to do because, like, the thousands of years intimidated me. and But that's why I was kind of happy that I got it done. Like, it kind of makes sense, right? I hope, but like, that's what was hard about that one. But that took so much brain power that moving on to DB Cooper, which is like, um, more of a story that I can get into easily is, uh, it was hard to tell like how much and what type of research to do or whatever. And then looking into it, there's already a shit ton of DB Cooper stuff out there. Like if you actually want this, like the, like all the FBI stuff and like, there's a ton of shit on DB Cooper already. And so when I, when I picked this topic, I was like, all right, well, there's a lot of this out there, but that in and of itself is a challenge. It's like, okay, well, can you find a different angle on this? Like, if you're going to do this episode, how are you going to, like, what makes it any different from anything else that's out there? Why would you even fucking bother unless you can find a different way to do it, right? So I thought, all right, so we'll take the story, and then I, and, but everything that's out there focuses on the really sexy elements of the story, which is like the guy fucking kidnapped a plane, he, uh, or he had a plane, 36 people on it, $200,000, and then he parachuted out, and there's a mystery of who it is, and nobody really knows, and a lot of it is, like, structure on trying to figure out who it was. Like, that's a lot of the shit that's already out there on D.B. Cooper, right? So I was like, all right, well, if we're going to make ours different, cool. So the event itself, a guy takes control of a plane, saying he has a bomb, gets two hundred, demands $200,000 and four parachutes, um... Uh, from a, on a short flight from Portland, Oregon to Seattle, Washington, they get, they give him the money, they take off. And then, uh, when they land in Reno, he's no longer on the plane. They assume that he jumped off the parachute. That's the story of DB Cooper. But like, so people look at it that, in that way, but I, I tried to find some way different. So I tried to think it's a heist thing. It's like a heist movie. It's like, Ocean's Eleven, or what this actually is, is a dude who was trying to get money. It was, the guy's one objective was to get money. So it's really a robbery story. So I looked up film structure, like traditional film structure of a heist movie, and then I did a bunch of research on that, and then I did a bunch of research on D.B. Cooper, and I had this whole fucking so-up-my-own-ass plan of, like, this is going to be like an analysis when you overlay the two and you see – because nobody knows who D.B. Cooper is, so there's no way to, to like, build a main character because you don't have, like – I mean, you could probably guess. I like. I watched Heat. I watched the whole movie Heat for this. So like, you don't even have like a Robert De Niro character though. You just have like an anonymous man, which is another funny part that I thought that like watching Heat counted as research. So it was just an excuse for me to watch Heat and cry twice again. Like I fucking love that movie. But so you don't have a main character. But I was gonna do the thing like use context clues for his behavior to see what kind of man he was. But then I I fucking I hit a point where. Like, I didn't have a governor plate on how much I was looking into this. And then I hit a point where I found a thing and it just started making me fucking laugh so hard. And then 
all that research, like I couldn't, I couldn't do it now. I can't do it now. It's all so goofy to me now. It all just looks like a guy who's like just trying way too hard and like to be able to see that now is so funny to me, especially with how I see the story now. So we're going to cover episode 10 uh, is DB Cooper. And I think the title is going to be this fucking guy. All right. So that's where we're at. Our story begins Portland, Oregon. It is November 24th, 1971. A middle-aged man with a briefcase buys a ticket for Northwest Orient Airlines and uses cash to buy uh, one way. It was like eight, and it was eighteen bucks or so, and then with tax, it was twenty bucks flat to fly. Now it's a short flight, though. It's only Portland, Oregon to Seattle, Washington. It's only thirty minutes in the air. It's a short flight, but twenty bucks is fucking great, dude. So he boards a seven twenty-seven. Right, that's a, it's a small aircraft, and it's so small that the the ass of the aircraft, the back end of it, has like those folding steps that you see in James Bond movies that can fold down. But, but they're like steps because it's seventy one. Like air, I don't know, aircraft is still kind of cute, I guess. So like there's steps in the back that can fold down. That's it's a small fucking plane, right? Man gets on seven twenty seven. He sits in the back uh, next to the jump seat where the stewardess sits. And he orders a bourbon and soda. On a th- <laughs> and this is where I was like, okay. Because I was still looking at it as like, this guy's a master criminal-wise. And I was like, all right, well, yeah, you know, a cool, like Robert De Niro character might have like, you know, like James Bond. He has like a bourbon. Nah, dude, this guy, who fucking drinks on a 30-minute flight? A me- like, people should have been watching this guy to be, <laughs> to be like, a 30-minute flight is take off 10 minutes and then you're, you're descending pretty much. Gets a bourbon and soda. All right. 727. After takeoff, early on in the flight, the man who would later be known as D.B. Cooper hands a note to Florence Shafter. And she was a stewardess who was sitting next to him in the jump seat. A flight attendant. So he hands his flight attendant a note. Man in his mid-40s hands a flight attendant his note. Flight attendant takes the note and just drops it in her fucking purse. Doesn't even look at it. Doesn't even look at it. Drops it in her purse. It made me laugh so much because, like, what she thought, she thought that guy was trying to fuck her. <laughs> like, it, that was, like, the 1971 version of sliding in your DMs. It's, like, pass, passing a physical note. <laughs> so this lady was like, yeah, okay, mid-40s. Get the fuck out of here. Stop it. Right? So he, so she says, fuck all. And there's a, there's a, there's a line in here, like, there's like a a theme where like there's like 1970s women who are just like bald like I don't know like very confident and just like yeah dude I'm dropping this note get the fuck out of here your note's going in my purse right, right so he drops a note in the purse DB Cooper leans into her and says like hey you should really read that note I have a bomb All right so she reads the note and they don't recover the note, by the way. The note's completely lost. We don't know where it went. D.B. Cooper might have taken it, right? So she reads the note. It says, yo, I got a bomb. Come here. I got some demands, right? So so she's like, okay. And then D.B. Cooper t- instructs Florence Shafter. He's like, hey, come sit next to me, right? Which at this point in time, like, she might still think that this guy's full of shit. Like, this guy's still just trying to fuck her. Like, it's an, like an elaborate pickup artist plan. Which I don't... I put a sidebar in here, and this is one of the things that made me laugh, right? So, like, a guy passes you a note, says he has a bomb, gets you to come sit next to him, 
here's the thing. All right, so like, it just made me laugh that it might have like that she could have considered that this guy is this is just an elaborate way to try to fucking get a date with me. Because look, when I was when I was in college at Westchester, I was like I was a very young man, right? I was like nineteen, twenty years old, and I I, I didn't. I didn't. I was not very good at talking to girls. I, I had had a girlfriend, but this was after Melina got deported. I had a girlfriend, a Colombian girlfriend, who didn't speak any English. I met her working at Abercrombie and Fitch, and then they hired her for like the daytime because they didn't talk to her at all. And then, but she was there to work overnights with her friends, and so I ended up dating her. She didn't speak any fucking English, right? So she was she was the first person I slept with, and then she got deported, and so then I was just like, I don't know. <laughs> And the, oh, I, and the only reason I slept with her is because I was so scared as like a little, uh, like a young dude to like have somebody find out that I'm bad at sex. So like I had a, a girl, a Colombian girlfriend who couldn't speak English. So I was like, well, if there's ever a time, like no matter how bad you are, like she literally can't tell your friends how bad you are at it. Like she, they, your friends would have to learn. <laughs> she would have to be so upset with how poor your performance was. She would have to learn English. To talk shit on you. So, like, that's how that happened. But anyway, after she got she got deported because her student visa ran out at Cabrini for dental hygienist. That's what she was here for. So, so she, uh, I had to drive her to the airport at, like, 4 a.m. So she wouldn't, like, get arrested. She realized this is going to go out on the internet. I think statute of limitations is over. I don't even know what went on there. Or was I? Okay, so then she gets, all right, so she gets thrown out of the country. So I'm alone at college, and I don't really know how to talk to girls or anything. So... The reason that the D.B. Cooper plot, the lady thinking this guy might be trying to fuck me as an elaborate plan was because, like, like the only thing – like, I didn't talk to anybody. I would just, like, I, like go to the gym and kind of be quiet. So I had this thing where I would go to Acme, and I read it in, like, a book or something. So I would go to Acme to go grocery shopping, and, like, I didn't need groceries. Also, I'm not responsible enough to, like, get groceries then and more than half the time now. Like, I eat at Seven Eleven a lot. So I would go to Acme to get groceries, but really what I would be doing is going to, like – talk to girls and here's what i would do is that i would just kind of lurk around and every now and then i'd like pass the pasta uh, italian aisle because this is fucking mortifying but like so, <laughs> so when there was a girl in the pasta aisle i would go up there and be like hey what's up i uh so i have to make a lasagna for tomorrow for my grandma <laughs> would do that i would do that and then more often than not and like dude, i didn't do this once i did it like at least three times i walked around with three different girls and like acted surprised when they all said regatta cheese that was <laughs> that's the thing i did i remember doing that but i would it never worked out either like i never I've, I've never had like the part where you like all right so can i have your phone number like i have the part where like i'll hang out and be like oh, all right let's get lasagna so they would take me around the store and they'd be like all right well you need this kind of noodles and then you need and the whole time i would just be talking to them with the idea of like maybe i'll get their phone number and we'll hang out and, but I, the problem is i've never had that last part where you ask for the phone number i'm just not good i'll just make friends but i'm not I just don't have that. So, like, we would get lasagna stuff and have a nice conversation. And then at the self-checkout, like, I would just check my shit out and be like, all right, good luck to you. And then <laughs> drive home with lasagna shit. Not even make a lasagna, dude. I remember I lived with this dude, Dan, and we had so many of those zigzaggy noodles you used for lasagna. He was like, why do you keep <laughs> buying these? So, uh, so yeah, the... The stewardess thinking this might be an elaborate plot to try to talk to her. 
I don't know. It made me think of that. How fucking... Oh, my God, dude. How fucking stupid. <laughs> so, uh, and also... Yeah, it just it just makes me laugh that Florence Schaffner was like, are you sure, man? And then, like, goes to sit next to him. And, dude, here's the best part, right? So she's sitting next to him. And D.B. Cooper is telling her, like, yo, like I said in the note, I have a bomb. All right? I'll blow this plane up. What I need is $200,000 in negotiable car- currency, which means, like, $20 bills. I need uh, $200,000. I need four parachutes, and then we need to refuel when we land in Seattle, Washington. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? And Florence Schaffner leans over and is like, yeah, can I see the bomb? Because <laughs> she still doesn't fucking believe him. She still thinks he's trying to fuck her. He's like, and she doesn't even, she, Florence Schaffner wasn't a bomb technician. Florence Schaffner never worked for the FBI or the police. She don't know what a fucking bomb looks like. So she just asked him, like, yeah, let me see your bomb, dude. Okay, 40-year-old man still trying. Let, show me your bomb. Doesn't have a bomb. Oh, that made me – that part made me laugh too because there's just like – I don't know, like Carly Simon, No Secrets, Hot Chicks from the 70s attitude. Like I remember – okay, so like my mom got – in 1980, my mom got held up at – she was working as a bank teller. I think she was pregnant with my older sister. So, and this is the same kind of thing, like the same kind of like lady confidence from back then. Cause it was 1980. My mom's like, you know, working as a bank teller and she was like a pretty lady. And so th- th- there's a hold up. She's working as a teller. The guy has a fucking sawed off shotgun and he's like, give me all the fucking money. Give me all the money. And, th- and this is the one story my mom loves to tell to people too. So she won't give a fuck that I'm saying on here. So she's getting held up. Give me all the fucking money. And my mom, my mom gives him all the money and she's like, is there more in there, bitch? And she was like, no. Now, do you want the drawer too? <laughs> Fucking in a bank route. It's just like, I don't know what today's version is. Like, I remember I remember seeing like a month ago, Lizzo showed up to a basketball game with her ass out, which is like hilarious. That's, that's like a similar kind of like, I don't give a fuck. Same kind of thing. Oh, my God. And even if... And as the police asked my mom this, after the robbery happened, she had to, like, be interviewed, and she told the cop what she said to the guy, and the cop told her, like, you know, that was really dangerous, right? That was a very dumb thing to do. He could have, he would have blown you in half with that shotgun. That was a very dumb thing to do. And, dude, to this day, I can go, I can call my mom right now and ask her, and she, <laughs> like, mom, do you think that was a dumb thing to do? And she'd be like, no. He was being rude to me. <laughs> Just like, uh, I just I just like it. I just like that that kind of confidence is funny to me. All right, so, all right, so we did the. Let me see your bomb. All right, so Florence Schaffner gets the demands from DB Cooper, and DB Cooper does open a briefcase and show her. It was like four sticks, four like red sticks. It looked like a fucking cartoon bomb. It was like four red dynamite sticks with some wire around it and a battery in there. And again, as we've covered, Florence Schaffner doesn't know what a fucking bomb looks like. Neither do I. Nobody does. But uh, so she sees that and she's like, all right, I guess that's a bomb. I don't fucking know. So she goes up to the front cabin and tells the pilot, like, oh, there's some fucking dude back there. I don't know what his deal is. He was drinking. I'm not sure. And he's trying to fuck me. But he, he, he said he has a bomb and it looks okay. So, like, you need – call this down. We might all blow up. So they call it down. All right. And so uh, the police are like, fucking Jesus, right? So they contact the airline. The airline guy is like, all right, well, I'll get the money together. Because they put the the owner of the Orient Airline was on the hook for the money. I thought that was weird. So 
that guy goes and starts trying to get find two hundred fucking thousand dollars with serial numbers that they can trace, right? But the flight's only half an hour long, as we've covered. So what has to happen is that this seven twenty seven needs to circle somewhere around the Seattle Tacoma uh, fucking airport. So they end up circling the Puget Sound for like two hours while this while this money's getting put together, right? So as that's happening, uh, Florence Schaffner walks back. So this is so Florence Schaffner walks back as they're circling the Puget Sound, and when she walks back, she finds DB Cooper, who at this point in time has now put on dark sunglasses. <laughs> Which leads me to my theory that, like, I think D.B. Cooper might have just been a fucking hammer dude <laughs> where it just got out of control because, like, you had the bourbon, you kind of got a bomb going. You, I've had these before where it just kind of gets out of control, man, you know? And at this point in time, it's like, oh, all right, she didn't like me. I showed up hammered. I had some drinks. She's coming back. I'm going to put these sunglasses on, dude. I I don't think I've worn sunglasses sober I don't know. <sighs> seven years? Some, something like that? Seven years? Or high school senior trip? <laughs> like, dude. It's so funny to me that, like, it might have just been a hammer dude who, who bombed trying to hit on this chick and knew she was coming back. And he's like, I'm going to show her I'm all business now. <laughs> he fucking just puts on little John sunglasses. Oh my God! And also, he's saying shit. I don't in the story. I don't know why he's talking while they're circling, waiting for the money. So, but like while they're circling, he's like leaning into the stewardesses and being like, "Oh, you know, I, looks like Tacoma down there." <laughs> Just still trying to make conversation. All right, I gotta calm down. So they uh, they land. He also points out that like, oh, there's a military base close to here. So as they're as they let they. They uh, they land in the the Seattle airport. Right? Everybody, the cops have the money. Everybody on the on the plane's fucking terrified. Or no, the the crew's terrified. They didn't even tell. There's 36 passengers that they came over. The the pilot came over. The fucking thing was just like, hey, we're having a mechanical issue. We got to circle the Puget Sound for a minute. Hold on, and just kept everybody just kind of in the dark about it. But I think it got out, and so they were fucking scared. So they land, but he. Uh, it is important. I mean, people do think it was a military guy because he did point out how close an Air Force base was while they were circling the Puget Sound, right? So they land at the Seattle airport, and this is a part in the story that I had gussied up so, so brilliantly. Oh, Chris. Fucking, I had this all planned out because people do interpret how they landed the plane as like a master criminal move of air piracy, which is like they landed it and then it uh, they made it go all the way down the runway to a well lit area and then uh, as they did that they also shut all the fucking windows and people speculate that like DB Cooper knew that like you know you had to make the transaction of hostages for money and parachutes as as safe as you can so that's why he flew, he went all the way down the runway and they knew about police snipers so then he shut all the windows and it's like yeah I guess but it also fits with the blackout theory because like. You know, you just <laughs> you get it's way too carried away at this point. So you land and you like shut all the windows, shut all the windows. They're gonna fucking see me, dude. They're gonna fucking see me. <laughs> what am I? I just need a second to think. I don't sure. I'm not sure. Oh, also another hammered guy movie did while they were circling Puget Sound before they fucking landed. He asked every he asked the crew like, 
yo, do you guys want meals when we land in Seattle? Do you guys <laughs> like, yo, do you guys want to go to Wawa? That is a classic hammered dude move of like not wanting the night to end and being like, well, maybe we could just go to Wawa. He offered to get him meals in Seattle because he wanted to hang out more. Also congruent with the idea of like he's just trying to hit on any woman that's on this aircraft <laughs> and working in the flight crew. Like, hey, you, I'll buy you dinner. <laughs> All right. So they uh, <laughs> they take off. Oh, no, before they take off, they have to decide where they're going. Another hammered guy move here. He asked, he like takes a poll and talks to the crew and pilot about like, where do you think I should go? <laughs> so like, master criminal, are you sure? Because the, the pilot and crew were like, yeah, we discussed where to go. So it's like, you didn't plan that out, dude? Jesus, this has gotten way too far. How drunk did you show up for this, man? Right, so he, he asked the crew and they decide Mexico City, which is the classic fucking, I'm going to go to Mexico. <laughs> That's a fucking, that is... What you say when you're fucked up and you're like, I got to get out of here. I'm going to Mexico. So they decide to go to Mexico, but the fucking plane's too small to go to Mexico, dude. You're in Seattle. You got Mexico so far away, right? We're in a 727. So they fuel up and there's a mechanical failure of the fuel up thing, which probably fucking panicked the shit out of D.B. Cooper because they thought he probably thought that was a plan by the police. So that when, when they were refueling the jet in Seattle, like the pump had like fucking pressure issues. So it took longer. That probably scared the shit out of him. All right, so they they decide that, like, all right, well, we can go to Reno and put more fuel in, and then we'll go to Mexico, man. And he, he's like, all right, I guess Reno's kind of gross, but all right, fine. You guys sure you want to come to Mexico with me? Cool. I'm having a really good time. Uh, so they, they take off, right? All right, so they take off, and now he has the $200,000 in money. He has the four parachutes. Also, it was, it was specified that he requests four parachutes that are not military issue, that were civilian. They were from, like, a jump school, which uh, all people say, that, like, this is more of, not all people, but, like, the couple different sources were, like, these are harder parachutes to operate. You wouldn't ask for these unless you were a master criminal who knew what they were doing or a complete fucking idiot who was like, I don't know, I bet military parachutes are going to be more complicated. Can I please have civilian parachutes that you give to, like, people on their birthdays? I need that level of simplicity. I'm fucked up. <laughs> I got to fall out of an airplane, and I'm fucked up. Can you please just give me the ones from the jump school? But anyway, so he's got that. He's got the money. They're flying arena, right? All right. So, uh, the crew is hanging out with D.B. Cooper as they take off and as the beginning of the flight happens. But then D.B. Cooper orders everybody, get the fuck out of the back of the plane. You got to go into the pilot's cabin. Don't fucking look back here, which is also classic end of a blackout shame spiral of like, don't look at me. <laughs> I'm sorry. Don't look at me. I can't believe you didn't even want to get to know me. <laughs> so the crew's in the pilot cabin fucking... Oh God! So the, and they make him they make him take off with the fucking the the stairs on the back of the plane down. The DB Cooper's like, we got to take off with those down because I got to leave. And the the air traffic controller's like, you can't do that; it's super dangerous. And he's like, all right, well that's fair. We'll put them down. We get up there, but we're leaving the landing gear down. And then also we're gonna have the flaps at fifteen degrees. He did know to say that flaps at fifteen degrees, and that's another piece that they point out as like master criminal, perhaps a pilot from Vietnam who is technical survival skills. And it's like, yeah, I mean, definitely he knew about planes, but I don't. I mean, asking the fucking crew when you get to your first destination where we're going, 
is the one thing where I'm like, this guy was making all this shit up, dude. This fucking guy. <laughs> all right. So he shame spirals, gets them all in the front. Fucking stairs are down. They're over the Pacific Northwest. Uh, and then at, I believe it was 8, 11 p.m., the crew in the pilot's cabin and the pilots all confirmed that there was a subjective change in cabin pressure and also the tail of the aircraft lifted up. Now, it was a small enough plane that if a 200-pound dude jumped out the back of it after hanging out there and crying about his life for a half hour and being like, I fucked up, I'm sorry, and then he jumped out, you would have the tail lift, uh, the, the tail of the aircraft would lift and then the pilot would have to adjust it to be able to maintain stability. So that's why they believe that at 8-11 and FBI and everybody have done the math on where this guy could have landed, where he could have landed initially, but the plane was ordered to fly at 115 miles an hour, which is the slowest it could have flown while still keeping a flight. Uh, the wind conditions were fucking terrible. There was low visibility. They were being followed by two military jets, but the military jet guys were like, I didn't fucking see anything. Nobody came out of that plane. I don't know. But it was dark. It was a night jump. Nobody saw anything. But people have done the re the, the heavy mathematical research. The shit I all looked into when I was going to try to make some sort of beautiful Mr. Holland's opus about the movie Heat and D.B. Cooper before I was like, this guy might have just been fucked up the whole time. When I was still buying the master criminal thing, right? So he jumps out, and there's like a 24-mile radius of where they think he would have went. He had the money. People are like, did he get away with it? If he was smart enough to plan it, maybe he had survival skills from Vietnam. You can live in those woods. It's a great place to survive and get whatever you want. It's just like, I don't know, man. There's no way he survived. That dude's dead. That dude died. That dude died on impact. For sure. Even if, even, look, that's a, I'm mostly just joking about him being fucked up, but he did get a second bourbon on the flight, by the way. I skipped that part. So that's heavy drinking. And it's the day before Thanksgiving, which is another piece of evidence that, like, everybody blacks out on that day. That is a heavy drinking day. If people come home from college, you just get fucked up. So I'm guessing he showed up day before Thanksgiving. I, I mean, he did have the bomb, so I guess he fucking planned it somehow, but he could have just been fucking around like he was bringing it to his buddy. I don't know. He definitely thought about it and brought the bomb, but day before Thanksgiving, shows up hammered, has a couple on the plane, tries to hit on somebody, it doesn't work. He fucking died on this jump, dude. It was so dangerous. They were flying at 10,000 feet. It was a night jump. He had a civilian parachute that was more complex than a fucking military parachute. He had two, technically two bourbons in him, and he was still jumping out at 115 miles an hour, dude, into the fucking rainstorm, into the clouds. Out the ass end of a plane on the stairs. Dude, he jumped into a rock tumbler. That's it. Dude, he just jumped and was like, all right, bye. Ooh, and fucking, that was it. That was it, dude. He hit the ground and got eaten by a pack of Sasquatches. Because <laughs> that's where those guys live, dude. That's where all the Sasquatch cities are in, uh, in the Pacific Northwest, dude. Like he walks. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, got to tell you, not a whole lot of facts in this one. But uh, coming off that science one, I just I just kind of wanted to have fun with it. And uh, I, I don't know. I really enjoyed the story. I had a lot of fun taking myself too seriously looking into it. And then it was so fun to realize I was taking myself too seriously about it. Oh, my God. So, D.B. Cooper. Yeah, I mean, there's all this. I'll post a bunch of links if you guys actually want to know about it. But if you want to know about the actual fucking shit, like the FBI documents are out there. 
you know, there's a bunch of shit on YouTube that takes it super seriously and stuff, and that's fine. I mean, look, it is a really interesting story, but this is a take I found on it, and it just, uh, ah, it just made me laugh. The 70s lady confidence, love that. Carly Simon, No Secrets. If you guys don't know what that is, dude, look that up. Google Carly Simon's No Secrets. That album cover, dude. I only have, like, one good pair of pants, but if I had money for more pants and then extra money for, like, a Carly Simon poster, I I wouldn't give a fuck. I'd buy it right now. That's great. All right. That is, uh, that's episode 10. That was the first 10. First 10 episodes. Holy fuck. I'm, uh, I'm pretty surprised I got that done, to be honest with you. I really appreciate anybody listening here. Everybody's been saying really nice stuff. And I, I, I think it's great. If you guys like it, that's awesome, man. Uh, you know, if it helps you chew up some fucking road time or time working or anything like that, you know, maybe learn something. I don't know. Not a whole lot of info on this one, but the last one was all science, dude. So I will take a second. Um, I'm pretty sure I am going to start a uh, Patreon at some point and then, but there'll never be not a free one every week. It'll be one free one. Uh, and then a second one, be, at least a second one behind the curtain. Um, and then also interviews and stuff, whatever. It just, it would allow me if I had like a, if I had a barrier, it would allow me also to do different topics. Like there's a book about sex that an ex-girlfriend gave me four years ago that I lied to her and told her I read and I've never read it. And I want to do that one, but that one, I mean, to have it go out to everybody, like, you know, my family and stuff would hear that. I mean, I don't know if I would want to do that topic just broad to everybody, but having, having a second option would be cool for me. And again, I got, I, you know, it would just be, it would be nice. Um, but if not, dude, listen, I don't know when that's going to happen. Um, Oh, yo, if you're in Philly, I'm hosting for Rich Voss at helium this weekend. Rich Voss is hilarious. Uh, and I'm going to be hosting for him. Please come out, uh, and say what's up. Don't, uh, don't offer to buy me a drink. Don't do that. Or else podcasts will most likely stop. Uh, <laughs> don't, so mostly people have just been telling me the most interesting shit they know, which is great. That's a great thing that's been happening. So, but if you come out, I'm at helium all weekend with rich Voss, um, and come say what's up. Um, so this will be it for the week. Thanks guys. And, um, yeah, have a great week. I'll, uh, I'll talk to you guys next week. I hope you guys are doing all right. Have a good one. Thank you.